You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 123. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. It's a beautiful summer. Fourth of July just passed. How fast is this year going by? I swear, it just seems like it's going by at a frenetic pace. And I look back at the last 53 and a half months of sobriety and recovery for myself. And, you know, as I near 54, and again, I've got this awesome Nomo app. Let me shout out to the Nomo app for keeping track of all this for me because I sure as heck am not. <laughs> And I look back at everything that I've experienced and how my life has expanded. And I'm very aware that I'm not always aware of how I've been progressing through my sobriety and recovery journey, right? Like I know it sounds a little odd, right? Like I'm very aware how I'm not always aware, right? A little bit of a tongue twister, but I do notice within myself how often I may not necessarily stop and take a breath and really enjoy the life that I'm creating for myself. There's a part of me that it's like, next one, best one. Okay, next. What's next? Where am I going next? How can I move this forward next? What is it that I'm going to be doing next? There is this indomitable spirit inside of me. And I honestly do really, really, really believe that every human has this within themselves, whether they mute it or embrace it is completely, you know, unique to their own experience. That we, we are goal setting machines that we seek to experience the wonderment that is life. And that we, we are, there's always something that we want whether we want to even use the word want, right? Whether it's like, oh, I, you know, I want a new phone or I want a candy bar or I want another drink or I want, a, I want my old life back or I want a new life. There's always something that we want. And when we say that we want something, it then is an unspoken goal within ourselves to get it or, or to keep ourselves from it, right? Like I don't want another drink is, is still a goal. It it might have a negative word in it. It might be using a negation. I don't want another drink. And we've talked about negations, right? When you say, I don't want another drink, your mind doesn't understand negation. So what it hears is, I want another drink. And so then we start to change the way that we talk so that we say things like, I want to release the hold alcohol and drugs has on me. Or I want to release um, the desires to think about alcohol or I, or I, I want to create a life for myself where alcohol and drugs are not necessary. I want to, right. We're we're using these powerful toward language words. And so I do honestly really, and I say this with all sincerity and I, and I feel like I could say it with like a plant a flag in this hill and die upon it, that we're all meaning-making, goal-desiring machines. We always want something. Now, whether we're using away or toward energy, whether we're using negation words or positive affirmation words, that's where the uniqueness and in, in this, this specialization of our own language patterns start to come into play. And when we start to look at 
our journey through our own addiction recovery, it's very important as far as I'm concerned to understand whether we're using this away from language patterns, this this negation words, these pessimistic, cynical words versus using these positive, reaffirming, empowerment words. And our whole life is is this creation of our memories and this these these this huge vat of memories inside of our head and of these experiences that are made up of values and beliefs and opinions and and personality programming and all of this this it's ever growing it doesn't stop growing just because we don't pay attention to it it's still growing we're still taking in various ingredients into our life, whether they're good ingredients or not, that's where the self-awareness needs to be really at the forefront of our attention. Just because you're not paying attention to the ingredients that you're putting into your life doesn't mean that you're still not putting ingredients in. I say this when I give speeches at, at for presentations at businesses and, and whatnot, that if you're not influencing, then you're being the one influenced. And that's a powerful thing to think about. If you're not influencing, then you're being the one influenced. And are you happy? Are you okay? Is it desirable to be influenced by this person, by this material? When we read a book, when we read a magazine, when we listen to a podcast, it's a one-way street. You can say whatever you want to say, but I'm not going to hear it. I'm not going to be a part of your thinking process as you're, as you're taking in this information. When you're reading a magazine, newspaper article, when you're reading anything, it's a one-way street. So you, can't, you might not think that you can necessarily influence what it is that's, that's being influenced upon you. Right? That's a bit of a tongue twister, so let me be a little bit more clear. You may not think that you can, re, you can influence back the newspaper article, the internet article, or the podcast. But there's two different entities of you at play whenever you're taking in information. There's a person who's sitting there taking it in with the conscious mind in the moment. And then there's the unconscious mind that is also playing a huge role in this because it's the one that organizes so much of your life because the conscious mind would get overloaded if it tried to take in all of that, this experience, 2.3 million bits of data every single second. The conscious mind takes on 126 because it would just fry out if it tried to do anything more. I mean, seriously, think about this. If we had to think about breathing every single time we took a breath, then that's all humanity would ever have been able to accomplish is just sitting there thinking about breathing. And we never would have done anything else. We would have probably died very quickly because this obsession with breathing would have just overwhelmed us (laughs) itself. So the unconscious mind handles so much about just your own physiology, let alone your own thoughts. So as I begin to say that we are meaning-making machines, that there were these goal-creating machines, so once we take that on as truth, that we are always wanting something, and then that becomes this goal. For better or for worse, we said we want it. Now we either tell ourselves that we really don't want it so that we can move past it, or we start to seek it out, that we want to make this happen in our lives. So you're creating your life. You're creating your sobriety and recovery in, in this, in this, you know, we're going to, I'm going to run you through this soup metaphor that I came up with for my online, the wise mind empowerment online experience, my online class that's available. And the reason I really want to run everyone through this is because, you know, yes, it's 
it's more in depth, or maybe it's just the same amount of depth as online experience class. But I really feel like this is some information that would be really fun to bring to you guys because I'm getting ready to start up my uh, NLP course. What I'll be teaching it NLP to. Uh, all various kinds of people, those in addiction recovery, those who are running their own business, those who are in college. I've got a lot of different people who are excited about this course coming up. And I thought, what is the best way to really explain to you how I've seen my life and how I believe NLP has helped me? And I thought, well, the soup metaphor is something I came up with. Why don't I introduce you to that? Because our mind works with stories. Our mind loves examples and analogies and metaphors and just fables. We, our mind works on stories. It just has for, you know, since the dawn of time. Even now, television is just a bunch of series of stories, right? Various kinds of stories, but it's all just story-based. Radio shows back in the day were story-based. Songs are story-based. There's, it's, it's a self-contained three-minute-long song. That's a story, unless you listen to fish as much as I do, and then it's a 20-minute long story. <laughs> so your memories um, are the these soups. This, this, your memories are like this soup. Your life is like this ever-growing pot of soup. And you can create your life as big and, and large as you like. And even when you constrict yourself or limit yourself, it doesn't mean that your pot, your pot, your life doesn't shrink. Because the pot grows, and as it grows, it doesn't ever shrink. Right? It can't, you can't unring a bell. So the pot grows with you, and once something has been learned or experienced, you grow. Therefore, your pot grows. And when your body grows, your pot grows. You can't unring these bells. You can't ungrow your pot. But it does mean that the ingredients you're adding into your soup of life are very important. When you constrict yourself, you begin to limit your ingredients. Your soup becomes more bland. Your soup, your reality, your life is made up of all of these ingredients, and some of them are very real, and others are imagined. Other ingredients you've just created in your head that may not even have ever really been there, but you've told yourself that they're there for so long that they just become an ingredient. Our words don't describe our reality. They create our reality, so you're creating your reality in your mind. That's the that's this soup. Even your hopes and your dreams, your aspirations for the future become this soup because it becomes the ingredients that you desire to add in to your life. Your reality is just your way of perceiving what is that you are experiencing and have experienced. That's that's what your reality is inside your mind. It's just your perception of what it is you've experienced, um, will experience, have experienced. Maybe you made up an experience. All of these things, right? You say, um, perhaps, example, you say that somebody disrespected you, right, by referencing you in a derogatory manner. But what if you chose to see it as they disrespected themselves by adding the ignorance ingredient into their life? They didn't know anything about you. They, they quote-unquote, disrespected you, but in reality, they disrespected themselves because they just added the ignorance ingredient. You could walk away from that interaction feeling like, that's too bad for them. Really glad I don't live in their head, right? The ignorance ingredient is bitter and nasty. It makes people's bellies tie up in knots with, with anger that bitterness and nastiness creates. Your reality and your dreams are a version of your soup made up from a combination of your memories and your imagination. The thing about your soup is that you can change the ingredients at any time. 
and the soup changes with the addition or subtraction of these new and old ingredients. Your life is constantly changing. The flavor, the taste, the aroma, it's constantly changing. Every second of the day, a new experience, a new stimuli, a new ingredient is being added. Yes, many of the ingredients can be grouped together, but it's still an additional ingredient. So then all of a sudden now your soup is changing and it's evolving. The way your life looks now um, like for me, 54 months into sobriety and recovery, I never would have seen my soup, my life being this way back on January 13th, 2017, right? But I added in all these new ingredients and now it's changed the way I feel when I think about my soup. It changed the way that my soup sounds whenever I enjoy it or whenever somebody else is around my soup. And again, soup equals life, just so you can maintain this metaphor with me. The way it looks whenever I look down at my soup not just this time, but every time after, how will my soup look? See, when, I, when we discuss neurolinguistic programming, it is really just the study of neuro, how your five senses, touch, taste, sight, sound, smell, create your reality in your mind. How all of this stuff gets in there and it, and it spits out this little internal representation, this picture of what you, what you believe you just experienced. Ten people walk through a park while it's a beautiful sunny day and there's birds and it's chirping, and maybe one of them only notices the homeless person sleeping underneath the garbage can. Maybe another person just noticed the squirrels arguing in the tree. Another person notices the dog poop on the ground. Another person notices that there's a hawk circling over a tiny little rodent um, trying to burrow a hole to protect itself. We all notice something different. And that's what our five senses do for us. It's touch, taste, sight, sound, smell, and it brings all of these different things into our head and we organize it in a completely different way. No two people will ever organize things the same way. No people's, no two people's soup will ever taste the same way. When NLP helps you um, understand this organizational process, your thoughts and ideas become more vivid to you. You can further realize how this model of NLP really creates this reality that you've internalized by yourself every second of every day. So when we look at your life like this melting pot of soup, this collection of your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your actions, your behaviors, your habits, your routines, and the results that come from these ingredients, right? these are your outcomes. When we talk about well-formed outcomes, when I teach in LP, it's about very much understanding the who, what, when, where, why, how of achieving something. Just saying, I want to be sober, it's so vague. You could be sober by being thrown into prison. You could be sober by being stranded on a desert island. You could be sober by, by, by falling down into a cave and being stuck there for three years, right? There's, that's, does any one of those sound like something you would want to actually experience, right? Or you could get sober by finding an amazing partner to share your life with who equally thinks that alcohol and drugs are not necessary to enjoy life. So when you're vague and you say, I want to be sober, the vagueness of that, it's not clear. That's not a well-formed outcome. We want well-formed outcomes. 
When will I know I'm sober? How will I know my sobriety is rocking? Where will I be when I'm sober? Where, what will I be doing when I'm sober? We want to fully understand these things. And you really cement them into your mind when you utilize your five senses of touch, taste, sight, sound, and smell to create this new internal reality of your life as a sober person, as someone in addiction recovery. The results that come from these ingredients are your outcomes, and we want them to be well-formed. What you experience when you live out your life with this soup is what becomes your reality inside your own mind. Now, let's talk about the ingredients, right? What, what, what do I mean by these ingredients that are going into your soup, that your life is this soup, right? So these ingredients can leave your soup feeling so cold it's unpalatable or so hot that no one wants to even take the smallest taste of it. Have you ever met somebody who's just so bitter and cold and detached and disconnected that you don't like you you get this weird feeling when you're around them. You don't even want to be in their space. You're like, "Man, that co- person is just cold and frigid." Things have happened in their life that have created this this reality for them and this is what they show externally. What are those things that happened? that have caused this person to shut down that way? Or what about the person who gets so hot and angry, right? The, the, the slightest uh, feeling that they have been slighted just sends them off into a tizzy. No one wants to be around somebody who's just always on the verge of, a, of an anger management issue. But something has occurred in that person's life that, is, that has caused them to build up this, this behavior mechanism to act this way. What happened to them as a child that caused them to be cold and frigid or hot and angry all the time? Right? We don't seek to judge right or wrong, but we seek to understand that person. We want to understand yourself. So why has this happened? Right? Because other people weren't loved by their mommy and daddy, and yet they didn't do this. So why did we go this route? Their person's not necessarily better or worse because they didn't get angry or uh, hot or cold because of the, lo- the lack of love from mommy and daddy. We just did it a different way. It's neither right nor wrong as long as we're not specifically hurting somebody else. It, it's just what we're doing to ourselves. Then it is just something to understand. Other people can sound so shrill. People wince when they even get near them. The ingredients can be so tainted and lacking of any brightness that you look down at your soup and it's deep brown like sludge and it's scary when you and others look into the pot. It can smell rancid as if it's spoiled long before you even had a chance to know how to make your own soup. I mean, think about that. Sometimes some things happen to us at childhood that spoil our lives, that spoil our soup before we even had a chance to know we could put our own ingredients into it. The taste, the taste is so bitter or so salty, right, that even you know you wouldn't want to eat this soup. Somebody who's just constantly bitter, that bitter, angry old man, right, or somebody who's just so sweet that they're a people pleaser, that they just give and give and give and give, and at some point they look around and they wonder, when will anybody ever do something for me? Things happen to us at a young age that caused us to build up these behavior mechanisms, that caused us to add in these ingredients we didn't even know we were adding in. We didn't even know what ingredients were. This is why I love my peers who teach this material to parents so that parents can go off and raise their kids a completely different way so they don't attach their limiting stories, their limiting beliefs, their limiting ideas on them. 
I don't specifically uh, coach up people on how to teach this stuff to their children, but I absolutely teach this to people in a way where they can feel confident um, being the mirror that other people could see the, the reflection of what they could become within. So when we think about all of these ingredients, we put them all into this pot we didn't even know we were doing. And now here we are in addiction recovery. We Here we are in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond. And we're thinking, man, I'm looking down at my soup of life, and this I, I am not happy with these ingredients. Yet this is a soup you serve to yourself every morning, afternoon, and night, because you have no choice but to eat your own soup. Others, however, they very much have a choice. To varying degrees, they can walk away, some much further than others, and rarely, if ever, even come around your soup. Your close friends and family, they might be left approaching the soup warily, mostly out of habit and routine or a sense of obligation, but they don't want to be near your soup. They talk about your soup when you're not around. You've come to a crossroads in your life where you now get to decide. You will be deciding to change the way your soup feels, sounds, looks, smells, and tastes right? Because you're experiencing your life through touch, taste, sight, sound, and smell. You will be deciding to change the way your soup touch, taste, sight, sounds, and smells. The way you create this soup, the way you create your new life from this idea of a well-formed outcome is by altering and changing the ingredients. Figuring out the ingredients that are no longer serving your soup, getting them out of there, and changing them bringing in new ingredients. Your thoughts you have about yourself are an accumulation of your memories and experiences. Are you always thrilled with those thoughts that you have about yourself? Are you always thrilled about the way that you've taken on a particular memory or experience? And the way you see a memory or experience is not set in stone. You can have a loving, loving moment with a partner They come home, they bring you flowers, they take you out to dinner, they take you on a beautiful vacation, a beautiful trip, they shower you with with affection, and you walk away from that experience feeling nothing but the most love you possibly could for another human being. Then down the road, you find out that your partner cheated on you. And they cheated on you two days before They brought home the flowers. They took you out to the nice meal and they took you out on the wonderful vacation. Now the way you see all three of those things, the flower, the dinner, and the vacation has changed. Before you saw it as a loving embrace where they were were showing you how much they loved you and how much they appreciated you. And so you saw that event as nothing but love. Then you find out that the whole reason they did that stuff is because they had guilt and shame about cheating on you. And now all of a sudden, that memory is tainted. The beautiful, bright, vivid colors and the happy laughter and the beautiful smells and sights that you experienced in those moments together become tainted by the fact that this person really was doing it out of a sense of obligation, guilt, and shame for what they had done. They had deceived you. They had lied to you. They had betrayed your love. And that's why they did all of those things. That's what I mean by your memories are not set in stone. Your memories and how you feel about them are not set in stone. So if a good memory can be tainted and literally destroyed by the truth, then why is it that we do not take the opportunity to go back to the bad memories and re-experience them in a way that provides us a lesson, that provides us self-growth, that provides us a pathway through the perceived trauma toward the strength of empowerment.
The way you feel about yourself can, fr- can come from the standards you set for yourself around your opinions, your beliefs, your morals, your ethics, your values, and how well you perceive yourself to have stood up for your opinions, your beliefs, your morals, your ethics, your values, or how others have told you that you've stood up for them and whether you believe what those other people say or not. So when we talk about the memories that we have and the experiences that have led us to these thoughts that we have about ourselves, we now realize that we can go back and change good memories into bad. We can go back and change bad memories into good. We merely need to just pay them attention and set the intention to go back and make those changes. And we're not lying to ourselves because there was 2.3 million bits of data coming at us every second and we could only consciously hold on to a small 126 bits of those. I'm using computer terms because the person who did this study uses computer terms, so run with me on this, whether you believe 2.3 million and 126 or not. I've heard other people throw out 11 million and 4 billion and 4,000 and and 2,000, but when you do the math, it always comes down to the same 0.0006%. Your conscious mind holds on to such a little piece of reality. And again, that reality is what you're making of it inside your own mind. So when we say let's go back and change a memory that was bad into something good, we're not lying to ourselves. We're just choosing a different 126 bits of the reality that we believe was even happening in front of us. So then whenever you go and you start to you you start to feel about yourself, about the standards you have around your opinions and your beliefs and your morals, your ethics and your values and how well you perceive yourself or how somebody else has perceived you and then told you about what they think about your morals, ethics, values, beliefs, and opinions. It becomes this accumulation of what we think about our soup. The actions you take, whether repetitiously or randomly, are the results of the collections of thoughts and feelings you have about yourself. You might think that you do things out of the clear blue, but I can assure you that there is a programming going on inside your unconscious mind that has led you to that. You can go about life thinking that it's fate. Or you can take the unconscious and bring it conscious and realize that you had programmed yourself for that outcome well before that moment actually arrived. We talk about this when we discuss relapse, that the relapse happens well before the actual act of using even occurs in your life. You start going down a particular path that just starts to check off boxes. And before you know it, you've walked past 15 different mile markers and you're standing there at the bar with a shot in your hand or or in the bathroom with a straw in your hand. And all of a sudden you're back to square one. But you didn't just show up there. Relapsing didn't start the moment that you used again. It started when you started making concessions about who you were going to seek to become. Where where instead of going back and changing your ingredients, you chose to leave the ingredients in place and just try to make a shitty tasting soup taste better. But it doesn't work that way. You can't just keep adding sugar and salt and expecting that it's going to taste good. At some point, you literally have to go in and just completely yank out ingredients. So what if you were introduced to a way to change your thoughts and feelings? What if there are a way to go in and change the ingredients, these thoughts and these feelings, even if they had been in your stew of life for 5, 10, 15, 20, 40, 30, 7,000 years? If you're 7,000 years old, please come talk to me. I want to know more about your longevity solutions. (laughs) What if by changing these ingredients, 
the soup has a different touch, taste, sight, sound, and smell to it. And in fact, it was forever altered in a positive, more desirable, empowering way. If you meet someone new and you hand them a bowl of your soup with this big old smile on your face and a kind look in your eye, they will naturally think that your soup is good and delicious. When you touch them with affection, say caring things to them, look at them with honesty and trustworthiness in your eyes. And since they have never known that your soup was once bitter, nasty, undesirable, drunk, hot mess, they will begin to form their own memories of you in those moments, their own experiences of you that are positive and uplifting to your soul. One of the reasons I love this part of my soup metaphor is because when you get sober, when you begin to change your life, you don't need to go back and tell everybody about who you used to be. You can let them experience the new you for who you are. If at some point you decide you want to really bond with a new lover, with a new partner, yes, you can touch upon those things. You want to have them understand the depths at which your soul has gone to become this version of you that's standing in front of them now. But you need not pour into the deep, deep, dark dark, dark places that you used to go because you've released those. Those things are experiences that you had that created this version of you, but they also aren't you. People are not their behaviors. People are people. You can shift behaviors. You can change behaviors. So you are not your old behaviors. You are your new self. For those people who have been dipping their tongue in, in, with, in, the, in the spoon, or in most cases choking down your soup with this face that pretty obviously shows they are not enjoying your soup, this, this evolution that you're going through in sobriety and recovery, this evolution you, could, you can have when you begin to change these ingredients, this changing of your soup's ingredients will take on this, it will bring them a new flavor. It'll change it. And we don't know. It's an indeterminable indeterminable amount of time for this person to ultimately experience the change of your soup so that they feel an enjoyability, right? So that they've had a chance to shift their perspective of you. Your, your, your parents who've been dealing with the addict version of you for 30 years, it might take a little bit more time for them to get on board with who you are now. And it's not a fault on them. It doesn't say anything negative about anybody involved in this situation. It just merely says they've been, they've been choking down nasty ass soup for 20, 30 years of your addictive life. It's going to take some time for their palate to shift to this new version of you. But somebody who just met you today doesn't have those 30 years. They get to start with this new, amazing, enjoyable version of your soup now. And let's face it, if you have any inkling that your soup sucks, then you're going through life hesitant to introduce your soup to anyone new. You're going to be hesitant to go around those that have been choking down your toxic creation out of fear that they will judge you, speak poorly of you, and ultimately throw your soup down the sink disposable, spike the bowl on the kitchen floor, walk away from you with an energy that says, see ya when I see ya, mofo. We know how the soup feels when it is eaten and can, can be changed. We know how the soup feels when it is eaten and that, and that it can be changed either through the temperature, the texture, the level of spices being altered. This is what I mean by we know how the soup feels when we eat it can be changed. You think about the temperature, cold and distance, off-putting, whether you ignore it, hot and angry, mean, disgruntled, emotionally triggered. That's what we mean by temperature. The texture, is it coarse, rough, sharp, sticky? 
right? Are you a people pleaser? Do you cling to people? Do you have a sharp tongue about you? Are you rough around the edges? Do you have a coarse uh, demeanor? And then the spiciness, hot, bland, tart, sweet. Are you surly? Are you oversweet to people so that you'll, they'll always favor you? Right? Are you tart? Do you leave that bitter, that bitter look in people's face when they when they're done being around you? Are you boring and bland? Are you hot and angry? This is what we mean by spice. We know the way we talk about our soup, how others talk about our soup, can be changed. Once we start adding new fresh ingredients, we've all started a new project, taken on a new hobby, and we've seen how much enthusiasm and conversation is sparked from that addition into our life. This is what it means to add in new ingredients. We know we can change the view we have of our soup when we look down into that bowl and examine all the ingredients, the colors, the broth, the amount of the ingredients. Because we've added new ingredients or replaced them or ejected or rejected them in the past, we've done this throughout our entire lives. We maybe, we weren't as aware of it. We weren't being self-aware. We weren't being mindful. We weren't applying this stuff and then reevaluating it to make sure that our soup came out to the, to the best of our ability. So here is what we're going to do. We're going to move forward, starting right now, with a very distinct energy of ejecting or rejecting the ingredients that are no longer serving our highest empowered self. And we are going to add into our soup new, fresh, amazing ingredients. Some of these ingredients you might be very familiar with. Others you might have a passing knowledge of, and there's or Others are so foreign to you, you might as well have come from the Amazon rainforest. But all of these ingredients we will discuss are available to you right now, today, in order for us to create the most amazing soup for ourselves. And by the natural order of things, a soup others will desire to experience, to be around, and want in their lives. Just like actual food has three key ingredients, fat, protein, and carbohydrates, there are three key ingredients, nutrition sources for a successful soup. Mindset, understanding, and strategy. Your mindset around the ingredients you are adding, rejecting, or ejecting from your soup. Do you have a growth mindset where adding ingredients ingredients increases the enjoyment of your soup? Or are you fixed in your mindset where your soup just is what it is? Nothing has to be, it is what it is. If you see your life as a soup through this growth-minded goggles that I'm inviting you to, then you realize that it has no choice but to grow. And for you to say that it's fixed is you just being unmotivated or lazy or lacking sight or perhaps there are some things going on from your past that have just told you that it is what it is, but it doesn't have to be, it is what it is. What is your understanding of how the ingredients you have been adding and subtracting have been causing and affecting the palatability of your soup? What is it? Where are you not seeing and understanding that you can begin to see now? And then the strategies that you've been using to decide upon the ingredients that you'll add or subtract from your soup. Right? How have, what is the strategy you've been using to introduce new ingredients? And the strategies you have been using to keep those ingredients? What is it you're doing as far as your strategy to enliven and keep your life fresh and interesting to you? And then vicariously, it'll be fresh and interesting to others. 
I just thought of this uh, Kool-Aid man reference where they're sitting there bored and then all of a sudden I jump through the wall and I make it a freaking party, right? It's like, oh yeah, right? Everybody's bored and I jump in with some new ingredients and all of a sudden it's a party. (laughs) When we get into the kitchen and really put our effort into shifting our mindset, understanding our life and the things we can add to it to make it vibrant and fulfilling and the strategies that we have been using all along. Our society has strategies out the ass. So we can rummage through the cupboard and open up some recipe books and make sure the strategies you've been using are the best ones for you. A strategy that works for me may not work for you. A game plan that I have perfected won't necessarily equate to your success rate. It's like NFL football, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Like he brings in some new plays, we'll practice them up, we'll see what, we'll put in great amounts of effort, and we will collectively decide if the explanation for why it is working or not working is the strategy or your mindset around the effort it will take to achieve the successful runningness of this play. We don't know if it's going to work for us until we try it. Cookie cutter strategies don't work because we're not making cookies. We're creating a life. And I'm not going to start making uh, cookie metaphor references when I clearly have been running down the street with a soup metaphor for 36 minutes. Everyone is doing the best they can with the resources they have. Take this on as truth. I know you might be seeing somebody and you're like, man, if that's the best they can do, they need, they, need to get, they need to do some work. Fine. You can judge that person if you want, but I'd say go to the mirror and ask yourself, do you honestly believe that you're doing the best you can with the resources you have? And you need to take that on as a, as a truth that you are. You can develop more resources, but here's the thing. There are no unresourceful, there are no unresourceful people. There are unresourceful states. When you get angry, when you get cold and distant, you, you get yourself into an unresourceful state. When you lead with your heart and you're open with your heart and you believe in yourself and you love yourself, you are in a resourceful state. And therefore, you discover resources that you've always known. Hell, you don't even remember learning them. These ingredients are your resources. Let's get in the kitchen. Let's start creating our best soup, our best life, because every single soup on this planet can be changed and altered in a brighter, more meaningful way at any given moment, every single day. Change can happen in an instant. Change will happen in an instant. That memory of the flowers and the dinner and the vacation was beautiful until an instant happened when you found out the truth behind it. Change can happen in an instant. Because it is the decision to change that precludes all actual change. It is in the follow-through with that decision that is where the work comes in. And your viewpoint on whether that work is fun and enjoyable or hard and exhausting comes directly from the mindset nutrient you are using and the energetically positive or negative ingredients you are adding to your soup of life. Today, is the day you will remember as the day that you either expanded or contracted your life, i.e. your nutrient options and ingredients list. What you are experiencing right now will either feel tangible in time through effort and discipline, or it will be forgotten like a dream because you didn't do anything tangible with the nutrients and ingredients introduced to you and available to you. Through this journey, you have already embarked upon 
Today is the day that you will chisel in your memory or let fade away into oblivion. I think you have already decided which path you are taking. I think you already know that the path of sobriety and recovery is your meant to be. Everything in life led you to this point so that you could learn and grow and experience life. And if you're not looking down at your soup, feeling good about what it is you see reflected back up to you, neuro-linguistic programming is that way to go in there and find out how to really add and subtract and restrict and, and reject and eject and, 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 and grow and embrace and illuminate everything about your soup. I do not say this lightly, that NLP has literally recreated Jesse Mogul from the ground up. Everything that I know I can achieve, everything I have achieved, all the possibility I live my life with, so many of these phrases and words that you hear me say, that you write me emails and that you send me direct messages about, this stuff came from my study of neuro-linguistic programming. It is the foundation for so many different areas of thought and so many different areas of therapy, CBT, EMDR, anything that has to do with past life regression or post-traumatic stress disorder. All of these things are built upon this idea of NLP, that we experience the life through our five senses. We create these internal, these internal pictures in our mind. And that we that then that that creates an emotional shift, a physiological shift that creates this behavioral shift that spits out an outcome. NLP is the foundation for all of these things, not because it's that special, but just because it is the basic ingredients of life. Just like making a cake is sugar, flour, water, and eggs, most of the time, at least in this example, it is right. And you can make. Tens of thousands of different cakes, all based on how you add in different kinds of flour and water and sugar and the like. But at the, at the base root, it's always just flour, water, sugar, egg. That's what NLP is. NLP is the flour, water, sugar, egg. Everything else is just created from those ingredients. It's, it's the way the mind takes in the external world. And through the five senses, and then organizes it in the mind. It's the language that we use, whether inside of our own head, that roommate inside of our own mind that never shuts up, or the way that we externalize to others how we've internalized the world inside of our own heads. That's the linguistic part. And then there's the programming, that our life is just a series of thousands and thousands and thousands of different programs, so many of them running unconsciously, we don't even understand it. You, if, I say, if I say right now, picture a dog, every single one of you is going to picture that dog in your head differently, whether the breed, the color, the size, the length of the hair, whatever, the smell, whatever it might be, we're all going to experience it differently because we all have experienced different things in our lives that have created us. That's that programming. There's a programming that goes, when I say picture a dog, there's a programming that shows you the dog that you see in your mind right now. When I ask you what you think about pizza, there's a programming in your mind that dictates how you're going to answer that question. Neuro, how we take in the world into our brain and create our reality. Linguistic, how we use language internally and externally in programming. Literally the infinite amount of, of programming of habits, of structures that we have created inside of ourselves to move through life more efficiently. 
Some of those still serve us. Some of those have not served us in years. If you would like keys to this kingdom, I can make copies for you. All you need to do is stand up, raise it, raise, stand up, raise your hand. I'll call on you. Send me an email, jesse at jessemogul.com. DM me on Instagram, at jessemogul, at, at, uh, at Sobriety to Recovery. Hell, in both of those, in my bio links, you can set up a, you can set up a discovery call. You don't even need to talk to me first and foremost. You can just literally go in there and set up a meeting. We'll meet. We'll talk. Figure out your challenges. Figure out ways that we can create an empowered life. If learning NLP is the way, awesome. If you don't want to learn NLP, instead you just want uh, me to show you ways to utilize what I've learned to make your life more fulfilling and, and beyond the empowerment you ever thought you could have imagined, great. Great, I've got a program for that too. If you want me to come speak at your association, at your meetings, so that we, I can, they can, you know, shower this illumination upon others, then great. Let's talk about that. Don't sit in the shadows, dying in the shade, when you could just as easily stand up and walk into the sunshine and thrive. The choice is yours. Your ingredients are your ingredients and no one is going to make you change them. As much as they might want you to, as much as they might beg you to, you are the one in charge of changing your ingredients. Your reality is your reality. Your soup is your responsibility. What you do with this knowledge moving forward will either be something that you etch in stone as the day everything changed, or you'll just let this podcast float off into the ether, never to be thought of again. Every day is the right time to start making positive changes for yourself. Every single day is the best day of your life because you wake up sober. Sobriety is just one ingredient. It is a huge ingredient. To me, it can be one that drastically changes everything else about the soup because we know addiction definitely changes the soup. So sobriety just as powerfully, positively changes the soup. But that's just the first step. The 12 steps are just the first 12 steps. What are you doing for the 13th step? Going through the four truths are that refuge recovery's four truths. What is your fifth truth about what you are going to create in your life now that you have made this radically positive decision for yourself to step into sobriety and move toward the illumination of addiction recovery? If you would like to be a part of what it is I've got going on over here, the Wise Mind Empowerment Tribe is open for you. There is an evolution that is happening, and you are invited to be a part of it. As always, I am blessed to have you here for 45 minutes today, but I love, love, love talking about how we can start to make awesome, radical changes in our lives. And I want you to be a part of it if you want to be a part of it. As I've said before, I'll say it again. DM me on Instagram, Jesse Mogul from Sobriety to Recovery. Or you can hit me up on the uh, on email, jesse at jessemogul.com. I'm the only Jesse Mogul on the planet. Google me. It's not hard to find me. As always, inclusivity over ex- exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Today is the best day of your life because you woke up sober. Shout out the sunshine. Glow on.
We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 